On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, listen to my conversation with String, a top 20 content creator in all of Australia on LinkedIn. We discuss String's seven layers to building a personal brand, how to overcome your fear of appearing on video, and how to break through the noise on LinkedIn. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. String, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me, Aiden. No worries. String, you're a top 20 content creator in all of Australia on LinkedIn, and you grew from zero to 30,000 followers in just 14 months. Tell me, why did you choose LinkedIn as a platform to grow and how has the journey been over the last two years? Well, Graham V is on that platform right now and he's pushing three, four times the content per day. And the reason why I jumped on it two years ago was the crazy organic reach. It's really hard to grow on YouTube, for example. It's really hard to grow on Instagram and it's really hard to grow on other platforms as well. But LinkedIn has already have an existing network in the first place but they only switched to content a couple of years ago. And when they introduced video, that's when, for me, that was a game-changing opportunity because, like, I got access to video before everyone else in the world or one of the few people who had gained access to video. And that's how I grew rapidly. How did you manage to get access before everyone else? So my journey started... If you have to look at the... I guess, like, I have to quickly tell you my story to contextualise it because if you don't understand my story, you don't understand what kind of journey I had. So I'm just going to quickly share my story. Is that okay with you? That'd be great. Thank you. So I graduated as an interior designer and I've always been creative. And But the nine-to-five job kind of killed my creativity and I woke up feeling pretty crap every day and I realised that I need to like um, fulfil my creativity inside of me. Otherwise, I'll just die. So that's when I started my journey as an artist, becoming string. And string came from the idea of connecting people, time and place together. So I was like Spider-Woman in the streets. And within two years, I like, was winning awards, doing exhibitions, winning grants, but I realized it wasn't sustainable because I, I wished I'd learned business as part of like my tools of kits to survive in this world. And I realized that if, if I want to like continue being creative, I need to like learn business. So I moved to a different city and that's when I got introduced to the tech community. And I've always been good at like communication and social media. So I started like going and during that time, it was still early and I just kept on like plugging into social media. And I realized video was the future. So I started like push, um, finding different video platforms. And that's when Meerkat came around. Have you heard of Meerkat, Aiden? Uh, I've heard of it. I've, I've never actually looked into it. So what do you know about Meerkat? I think only that I've mentioned it in passing. I think maybe, maybe Gary Vee mentioned it briefly, yeah. but that's about it. So it kind of exploded in South by Southwest. It's a mobile live streaming platform. What about Periscope? Have you heard of Periscope? I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Meerkat and Periscope are the same thing. It's a mobile live stream platform, but the only difference was like, I feel like Meerkat was integrated into the Twitter stream for organic growth much better than Periscope did when it originally came out. But again, Twitter owns Periscope. So they kind of squished the API and stopped the growth of Meerkat because there was considered competition to Periscope. And so within six months, I was able to grow 44,000 followers by, you know, being like myself, like being meta, like creating content every day, being a channel and building a community around me. And 
So I'm continuing from this day, the people that I met on MeCat are the people that are like I continue to talk to almost to this very day. So I went to San Francisco and stayed in the most expensive city because I met someone in MeCat and they let me like have one of the rooms, for example. So then I used that, plat- that strategy of content um, every day, being a channel and building community on every different video platforms. And, and then I did the same thing on Snapchat and won and was producing an award-winning Snapchat channel called Women in Tech. But I realized it was super hard to monetize in Australia. So I said, okay, I'm, the day that I like decided to quit and go to Instagram was the day that Snapchat, I mean, that LinkedIn came into the door and knocked on my door and messaged me and said, Strain, I love your content. Would you like to be a beta user for video on LinkedIn? I said, hell yeah. Since then, like ever since my first video went viral on LinkedIn, I switched my name to Suzanne. That's my real name, but to string you in as a way to like my point of difference and point of branding as well. And in real time, like someone calls me string, I knew most of the time, 80% of the time, they know me from LinkedIn. So do you, do you prefer string or, or Suzanne in normal conversation? Oh, like if, if it's anything to do with podcasts or like promoting my name, it's string because that's how like, people find me easily on LinkedIn is through the idea of string. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's branding, right? Like there's heaps of Suzanne Newins out there in the world, but who do you know has a name string? You're, you're, you're the first person I've come across. Yes, exactly. And that's part of branding. You want to be like standing out as much as you can. Definitely. What are some things that you do that you recommend that other business owners can do to start to build their own presence on LinkedIn or start to build their brand? Well, like um, over the last 10 years, I've been, people know me as someone who's been very consistent with my personal branding and I actually developed a formula of personal branding. And would you like to hear it? Yeah, yeah, please. Please share. So I wrote an article because people kept on talking about it. And then um, I call it the seven Bs of personal branding and influence. The first V is vision. What is your vision, your North Star, uh, the legacy that you want to bring to the world? Think big picture. A lot of times like we're thinking short-term games and it doesn't really build to the kind of legacy that we want to build and we want to be consistent because then at least like the vision that we have allows us to know what we want to drive, um, will wake us up and think about what we want to achieve in the world because sometimes like businesses and life gets really shit. But every day if we wake up to something that we believe in, it's much easier to wake up to and overcome obstacles. Second is your values. Like there's two types of values. In business is what kind of value you're offering to others, people, because that's going to be your business value. And the second one is your personal value. It's your framework to and your guiding post to life because then what happens is like it rejects people that doesn't want to do business with you and it also connects with people that wants to do business with you. At the end of the day, people want to do business with people. The third one is VOC, which is like German word for people. Who are the people that you're trying to help and serve? Because well, a lot of times like in marketing is like um, and in business, a lot of people don't know who the audience is or their target audience is or target customer is. Make sure you understand who your VOCs are. Fourth one is your visuals. Like for me, it's fried chicken. And your face, when it comes to personal branding, your face is your also some, a visual. How do you present yourself to the world? This one is valid of your voice. What is like the key messages that you want to uh, be known for? And validation, what are your KPIs and goals? And the sixth one is like, how do you monitor victory? High fives, how do you monetize all of this? That's really valuable to sort of step through the seven Vs to go, yes. okay, well, this is how I can put everything together in a yes. you know compact way to, and then to communicate it to your audience. Well, and also like it acts like an audit as well. So you, even if you don't have all the seven Vs, it's like what are the Vs that I have currently and what are the other Vs I need to build on top of it as well? 
yeah, sure. diagnosis what's uh, what's next, what what to work on. Do you recommend yes. do you recommend for people to work on the weakest one first? No, especially when you've decided to like create content, right? You should work on what's your strongest one because then that's like your credibility and your expertise in many ways. And then like why you building up those like strengths because that's easy for you. You kind of continue on building up your like weak points to the point where like it starts being beyond the average standard. And let me ask you a question, Aiden. Like, are you a 110% person or a 75% person? Did you say 110% or a 75%? Yeah. Uh, 110% type of person. Okay. I sit on more than 75% because, like, especially on LinkedIn, because it's all about the feed, because we're talking about LinkedIn, right? If you want to push out content every day, because the feed experience is all about, like, pushing content every day, would you go for the 75% or the 110%? I would... Reflecting on it, I'd probably, if I was putting content out, I'd be happy if it was 80% of, of what it could be just to be able to get it out and, and to get feedback based on that. Yeah. And that's the power of LinkedIn is when you build up a community around you, you get like a feedback loop as well. And I get like a high feedback loop from a lot of people to improve my game. They tell me that I have bad lighting and okay, I need to improve on that lighting. They tell me that my format is like not that interesting. So I'm improving my format. It's only because I have this engaged audience do I get this real feedback loop and but the only thing that i like my 75 percent or 80 percent that you're talking about as long as i provide value every day i don't care how um, my quality of content could go down a little bit but as long as the baseline is the value sure and yeah delivering value so that the people who are on the other end can get something out of it yes and and there are like a lot of times like i have like a lot of people always question me aren't you scared of critiques or Aren't you scared of oversaturation? And it's like, no, because I know every piece of content that I push out is value that aligns with my business and my all the seven leads that I have because it's consistent. For sure. And plus, I think I was I was reading something the other day, you know, every piece of content you post out won't be seen by everyone anyway. Yes, especially if it's a feed. So if you compare like LinkedIn versus YouTube, right, just in like video basis, uh, YouTube, because it's owned by Google, it's based on like, being discoverable and searchable. So you could put a content out for like five years ago. If that person types out a certain keyword, you could like watch that video from five years ago. LinkedIn, it's not like that. It's like more like, how can I be sure that I'm on top of people's mind every day? How do you stay up to date with keeping in front of people's mind every day? I mean, obviously it's the the content creation that you go through. For me, it's like making sure that, well, this is where like LinkedIn and YouTube is like similar. You need to be known for something. What are you a master of? Like what are the go-to thing that can people come to you for? What is your like thing as a resource can you offer to people? So for me, it seems to be video, LinkedIn, and personal branding. And so then you wrap all your content around those three sort of key pillars. Yes, but they're like... Once you become like you have that base level, it's okay to like experiment and explore as long as that person feels like you're providing value. So they know when they come to watch me, I'm doing something like either like gaming their system, um, which is what I did with like LinkedIn Live with a free hour stream and monetizing it. Second is like uh, they know that like I'm doing something interesting. That's why I have such a growth following because they know that like, I'm providing some kind of value. For sure. For those that find, you know, video daunting and are more introverted in nature, what's your advice to them? Well, one, join my Master Your Video community. I um, developed this community because everyone kept on asking me the same questions. But I think that the whole point of like doing video is just to do. It's only when you refine your voice 
is by the act of doing. You don't do it in your head. You have to amplify what's inside your head. And every person on LinkedIn is an expert in something. And I always believe in like, if you don't share your knowledge, you go lose that knowledge. That's a good good perspective to have, you know, to share it with others and to get it yeah, and just practice. Yes. And a lot of times it's just like the reason why you're like the expert in your space and you don't have to worry about how you sound or how you think or whatever. That improves over time. But if you don't act or practice or do, um, you won't get it better. It's going to be inside your head. And I feel like the biggest benefit that I've seen so far when people start doing and sharing the expertise, the confidence went up. And that was an amazing thing that I've seen a lot of people did when after like the join my community is like to the point people who just work versus the people who just do. I noticed an amazing rapid growth with the people who are doers. Yeah, even if it's in perfect action going forward as opposed to... Yes, but the confidence. Yes, you're right. Like, the, But the confidence came with more of the do because they realized like they get like um, validation came when people start talking to them about the business that we're talking about or asking questions or saying that thank you for providing that insight. So it's only when you get those little small wins along the way did that people would like willing to go and do more videos. If they don't get those validations really quickly, they feel like they lose confidence really quickly. So what, what would your recommendation be? I mean, obviously, it takes some time to get that validation to begin with. And, you know, you shouldn't be going into it with the expectation that you're going to get validation straight away. Do you recommend, yeah. people, you know, dedicate a set period of time to just try it out and see what happens? Yeah, I usually say it takes about a month to see if it's worthwhile for someone. But you have to push out on a consistent basis, not once a week, almost like 30 days. And that's like a pretty brutal experiment to play around with. But I think it's worthwhile because then what happens is like, even if it doesn't work out for you to do video at the end of the day, you could always find ways on using what you know into something else and you become a better communicator after that anyway. So even if you did 30 days of video, one of the benefits is like your communication will improve and your confidence will improve as well. That's great to hear. So yeah, even if you don't don't achieve the goal at the end of the day, you've got that experience behind you and then you can use that yes. going forward into other things that you do if, if video doesn't work yes. out. And I think communication is underrated, but I feel like that's one way to future-proof yourself because it's like a skill set that you can move from one job to another or one project to another. So I like a lot of times like people think about video as a medium of a tool, but it's a toolkit for communications. Yeah, it's just another way to exactly another way to communicate information, you know, video, audio and, and written being the three sort of primary ways to do so. Yes, exactly. And I think that I guess like a lot of people find video scary, but then it's just like reshaping the narrative more than anything else. They just see video as an amplifier of your message. And I guess that, that's one way that business owners can break through the noise as well on LinkedIn is to be consistent in the message they're delivering. Yes. Or, like, or even like share their expertise initially because like, again, like your knowledge will be lost if you don't share that knowledge. What are some of the most memorable moments you've had in, your, in, sort of in the last 14 months growing LinkedIn? Anything. LinkedIn is more validation. It hasn't really shown me anything new because it's like the same formula that I've been developing for the last five years. And I just happened to have a bigger audience. I had like more of a global outreach. And anything it taught me just to be more myself. And it's okay to be myself. Like annoying, amazing, geeky, curious. All these things I'm not allowed to be. Yeah, it's it's often, I mean, people put it put on these masks to try to be somebody else. But it, it really is a, it's refreshing, I guess, to talk to you and talk to those who are as authentic as possible. 
Yeah, I think it's not sustainable to wear a thick mask or mask to present yourself because at the end of the day, like when you wear that mask, imagine like you want trying to wear that mask every day for the next five, 10 years. It's like you're not trying to be yourself. And that's what like the most easiest way is just to be yourself, even on camera and off camera. And by doing that, like it just makes content creation easier. Because mm, you don't have to think about about how, you know, how to act like somebody else. You just have to be yourself. Yeah. And I think so, because a lot of times, like, people want to work with you at the end of the day. So when you're, like, as authentic as you are, it, it just becomes, like, more natural and genuine and sincere. And it's like, I want to work with that person. And they don't want to wear a mask. Imagine, like, you meet them at the, sec- the first time in real time, and then you realize they're not themselves on camera. And you feel like you're being, like, um, catfished. Yeah, you've got the sort of gut instincts that, that puts you, you know, it's not credible going forward. No, no. And mm. and the, the people that want to connect with you, is that's why, like, um, I guess, like, personal branding, like, if you have to articulate it in one sentence, it's like walking in your own truth every day. It's really powerful, walking in your own truth every day. And that's like the art of authenticity. Like, you don't have to be liked by everyone. And I think being liked is one wrong approach to be. It's just like, how can I just do be myself? you rather have respect than being liked. Definitely. Any day of the week. Yeah, definitely, right? you rather have respect because being liked means like you always go find the instant gratification and then you play the algorithm games of like, 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 and views, 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 when you should be focusing on like cash flow and conversion because it yeah. impacts your family at the end of the day. Yeah, not only your family, but, you know, the community that you're involved with. And, and the people you have to take care of. Exactly. Exactly. Um, String, tell me about, a little bit more about your mission to create a community of video storytellers. Well, um, my bigger mission in life is to increase creative vibes in the world because being part of the tech community, I noticed that we're moving towards a, like, a, like a world of automation or like in better words, like maybe like bots will like replace what we're doing, the mundane task. So where does that leave us for us human? What does it mean to be human? And I realised that creativity is something that robots can't have over human and so we need to nourish that and maintain that. And I realised that like being part of the LinkedIn community, there's a lot of professionals who want to be better communicators. And I think they're thinking video is like the one driver or tools that they can use a way to communicate themselves. And I realized that to future-proof ourselves, we need to be, become like more creative and more better communicators. It's, it's scary reading everything about automation that, that's coming through these days and how the mundane tasks that we all do will eventually be automated. And I guess yeah. it, comes, it comes back down to be that being that authentic version of yourself. If you can be more you, you know, a robot can't replace who you are, in a sense. No. Andrew Yang, he wants, he's like um, a pushing to be a prisoner for 2020. And he's talking about universal basic income. And he's like talking about like, you know, when robots come along the way, you know, we need to have like a baseline for humans to be more, like people to be more like themselves and um, be taken care of. And all these mundane tasks of like, Things that we don't really like doing, like uh, cleaning the dishes, should be automated. Uh, the back end administration work should be automated because these are the tasks that we don't really grow. It's something that kills us every time if we do it like every day, every minute. So why don't we just give these things that kills our soul and spirit to something else that doesn't really care about it? Yeah, exactly. That that then frees up your time to value add and deliver. You know. Like, like you were saying before, when you were talking about the seven Bs, you know, value being mm-hmm. the second one, being able to provide value to others. And you can free yourself yes. up from those mundane tasks that you do so that you can focus on giving back, basically. And Yeah, I think um, I do feel like, you know, the, I'm always all about like sharing the negative side about technology as well. But I do think like we're not becoming 
were like so consumed or just in, in the internet. We don't really have to step away from it and it takes us time to like be, to reflect and see what our meaning of life is and think about how to like improve who we are as people. So I hope that like even with like technology come along the way that we just like become better as humans. How do you how do you choose to relax? How do you choose to disengage from the technology platforms? Um, I turn off like when there's dinner. I switch off like I put it onto aeroplane mode, so I could like um, be present with my boyfriend and my family when I have dinner with them. True is like I I do detox from technology as well and like go back to the basics of reading things instead of going onto the computer. Um, three is like I sleep, like I catch up on my sleep. Yeah, sleep, sleep's such a valuable, so valuable to do. I think if if you're not getting more than seven hours a day of sleep, it can impact how you go throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people are like, I guess like when it comes to time, like sleep is something that we should not like undervalue. And my other thing that I do is like I go to like art exhibitions and refill my tank for creativity. Where did your, where did your creativity come from? You said it's, you said it's always been part of you. Man, like I remember like, and when I was young, like I chose, like, you know how we had to choose, like, what um, what university pathway we had to go to? Mm-hmm. And I chose the most practical one. And I hated in year 11 because I didn't choose any graphics or art. So I had to negotiate with the art teacher in year 12 to say, can I do art in year 12? I know I don't have a portfolio, but I will work hard. So I created my own pathway just to go back into my creativity. And I was so happy since then. And I realized that from that point on, it's like you dream or Susie, I said to myself, you must always have creativity as part of your life. Otherwise, you will die. Yes, it sort of it fuel it fuels your uh, your spirit going forward. Yes, yes, and I think um and I realized that really early on what like if I try to do something that I don't really value, it just becomes a pain and an obligation. You get filled with resentment. That's a really valuable lesson to learn so early on in your life to to know what yes. what drives you and what you know what doesn't drive you and to, to steer your, your whole direction, your whole career in a sense and what you do into that direction of creativity. And, you know, it's showing through in everything that you do from all the videos and all, all the testing out all the different platforms that, that you've done. Um, I think so. Even if like uh, my business is sort of creative, but like people think creativity is like drawing something and having an artistic outcome. But I feel like some of my um, best conversations in business are just people who just know how to like able to solve problems in a more interesting format. Yeah, and that's I, great. Yeah, I, I fell into that trap actually. I misused the word creativity, thinking it was artistic, and oh, and that's not wrong either. I just think it's just like people just think it's like an artistic thing, but then they just realize that every person's creative. Where the business, like, haven't you heard of creative accounting? <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah. But yeah, exactly. It's not just it's not just limited to the um to the arts. Um, creativity can be can be linked to to many different industries, and it's just a way of thinking more so than a. I think it's a way of thinking. Yeah, I do think um people focus so like when you think of scalability, you think of automation, right? And and guess like if you want like if you're in the software industry, you want to make it scalable. But the initial part of that scalability happens through some form of creativity because they have to think about how to strip it out and make it so simple and so easy that anyone could be part of the conversation as well. For sure, yeah. The, there is an art to, to simplicity or, or making the complex more simple. And, yeah, that, that requires stepping through a lot of problems to, to be able to, to distill it down into, into a, you know, a simple process that captures a lot. Well, like, if you, if you want to look at the new trend of things, there's, like, um, 
a whole phenomenon um, called no code where you could like develop apps with no code and you can just like drag and drop it, the experience. Can you talk a bit more about no code? So it's a drag and drop. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Like I'm still, you know, at the moment, like technology is full of closures, right? But that's the same thing is like, oh, what if you um, create a code, like a no code experience for like websites, right? If you look at websites, Wix is a good example. Weebly is a good example where they're pretty much like you just drag and drop and create that experience. So sort of abstracting up one level so you don't have to worry about writing all the HTML code. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't, I think that's where we're moving towards anyway. We're moving towards a no-code experience because like after a while, like coding will be just automated. So what's the next level? You just have to think about the, the user interface and the user experience. Definitely, yeah. It really does come back down to that, doesn't it, about, about the user experience and the customer experience. And the person yeah. on the other side that's consuming your content. It's really about yeah. them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, technology is enable humans, not, not technology enables robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives us, gives us more power to, to you know, change the world and to give back. Yes. And I think like that snow code is the example of technology and how you use of creativity and you just focus on what does it look like and how does it feel like and how does people use it. And it gives everyone, I guess, access to it as well. You don't have to have this technical skill set to to be able to make change. Um, but you know, shout out to Ben Tossel. He's like focusing, going deep down to the no code experience, and like he's like pretty much like sharing knowledge base through Twitter. Like, here I have two hours free, and I'm in the airport. You know, what do you want to do with the no code experience? Like, what kind of things that you want to do? And he's like spend a few hours just like sharing like examples of what you could do with it. What did you take away from that, that those two hours with him? Well, like it's not, I haven't read through all the tweet because I actually saved it and like plan to like looking back into it. But he kind of shows like what direction the future of technology is moving. Like you don't need to be a coder. You just need to think in terms of like the user experience now. Definitely. Oh, one last question. Go what ahead. I'd like to ask all guests is what's your definition of the grind? The grind to reach peak creativity, sure. Um, which means like every day I'm like finding like if I have to grind, it's just to like make sure that I'm like always at my point of creativity and fulfill that creativity need that I have each day. Got it. Wonderful. String. Uh, where can people find out more about you and uh, your community? Um, oh well, like um, on Twitter, I'm like I'm everywhere on String Story on. Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, the fastest way is to hashtag string story. So then you get to see my content and you can follow me there. Um, but I'm string story everywhere. Wonderful. And we'll include the links um, to all your all your social media handles in the show notes. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Aiden. No, thank you for sharing your, um, your wisdom and experience. Not at all. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, I appreciate you for stopping by. Please subscribe. Otherwise, if you took away valuable advice from this episode, I'd love for you to share it with others. Until next time.